Let's pray. We're going we're gonna to open up God's Word. And as you know, we already have. We've already uh, spent some time this morning, I don't know whether you know, um, reading through John, John chapter 20. And so we're going to continue on that. So let's, let's pray as we uh, reflect a little deeper on, on God's Word this morning. So Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for what it communicates. But we also thank you that through your word, you bring life. You, you transform by your word and through your spirit. And, and so here we are with, with your word and with, our spirit, with your spirits within us. We just ask that you would do a work in us. And we know that it'll be a good work. We know that it'll be a lasting work. It won't be just something that will just, uh, you know, give us a high for a few minutes, but it'll be something that will transform us and more into the people that you've called us to be. So we thank you. Your word and your spirit. Do your work in us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we've been working our way through uh, the Gospel of John for, for the, uh, the last, well, it's nine weeks. So um, for nine weeks, we've been looking at particular passages in John. And uh, it's, it, it's no coincidence that we've designed it has come to this point where uh, on Good Friday, uh, Pastor Paul, he, he led us through uh, John chapter 19, through the significant parts of these passages uh, where uh, Jesus was arrested, uh, trialed and ultimately crucified. And so, of course, today we look at this uh, wonderful passage in John uh, 20, chapter 20. And Cassandra read those parts of the passage during our, our worship time this morning to give us a, a glimpse of the significance of today. And uh, so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick that up after that, immediately after that resurrection account. So if you've got Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at John chapter 20, verses 19 through to uh, 31. Hang on, just don't get distracted. I'm just forgot this over here. Uh, so 19 through to 31. Many of you would know this wonderful account. Um, now, just to give you a background, look, I, for most of you, this, you, you know this passage so well. Jesus has been crucified. He was buried and he rose again on the, on the third day. And we heard that account just earlier in the service. And the rumours had started circulating. The rumours had started circulating after that, that Jesus was alive. That the tomb was, was empty and that he'd been seen by certain people. And, and so all of these rumours, could, th could this be true? That Jesus actually has risen? Or there'd be others going, well, no, no, certainly this couldn't happen. We reckon it's probably the Romans, the Romans who, who hid his body. Or others could have said, oh, look, the, 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 the disciples could have stolen his body. There could have been a whole lot of different things and opinions that could have occurred. But regardless of that, there is no doubt that the grave was empty. And so we pick up this story um, after the resurrection account. John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. Be up on the screen or follow in your own Bibles. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. Thomas. Thomas. Is anyone here called Thomas? There's always going to be a... Yeah, sorry, Tom. Um, There's always going to be a Thomas. Um, This one is probably the most famous Thomas of all. And unfortunately, he he gets this this tag, Doubting Thomas. And and it's almost like it goes together, Doubting Thomas, if that's his first and last name. Hello, Mr. Doubting, you know? Like, it's just what was was given. We've always called him Doubting Thomas. Um, and, And whenever we call somebody a Doubting Thomas, we basically refer to somebody who struggles to believe. And yet, I think in many respects, we all are like a a doubting Thomas. And this story can speak to all of us. I think we all struggle with doubts. Now, for some, it could be doubts about the resurrection. Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? This was the issue for, for Thomas. Or there could be, for people, doubts about other things. Doubts about their health. Doubts about relationships. Doubts about the future. We all struggle with doubts in our life from time to time. And when we dwell on doubts, we can become sceptical. You know what I mean, sceptical? People say stuff and you just, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay. I haven't seen it, but... Now, we don't know exactly why Thomas was the person that he was sceptical or doubting. Now, for some, it could be their personality. You know that there's some people who are just like that naturally. They're, they're, they're going to be that sceptic. They're going to ask the questions. They're going to say, unless I see the proof, I will not believe. So this could be partly to do with his personality. Thomas had that particular trait. Or it could have been his circumstances. Now, what we do know was Thomas, and it can see from here, that he was focused more on facts than feelings. And that's true for so many of us. We want the facts. We're looking for something more. We're looking for proof. And we're not going to believe anything until we get more evidence. Or maybe, and I think this is true for so many of us, Thomas didn't want to get his hopes up. Thomas's hopes were dashed. Think about this. He was one of the disciples who gave up everything. Everything. And for three years, he lived, walked, and talked, and gave everything for Jesus. 
Think about that. He had hoped that Jesus would issue in a kingdom in which they would be conquerors and the Romans would be uh, overcome and that they would be victorious and they would issue in this new physical kingdom and they would be celebrated and they would celebrate and they would be in freedom. He had hoped and hoped that this would be a different outcome. And you could only imagine only a few days before this story, Jesus was arrested Jesus was unfairly trialed and and Jesus was crucified. Can, Can you imagine if you had given up everything for a cause and to see that that cause just appeared to just come falling apart and yet we're so quick to point our finger and say, oh, Thomas, doubting Thomas. He hears that Jesus has risen and I can only imagine that he goes, I... Is it possible, but I I don't want to get my hopes up. Have you been in that situation where you go, I've heard something, but I've been disappointed before, and if I get my hopes up too much, it's only going to be another downer, and then I get my hopes up, and we've all been through that. And so for a lot of people, we simply become sceptical because we want to protect ourselves. Can I I be correct in that? Sometimes we just don't want to get hurt again. And so for Thomas, he's saying, I'm not going to believe until I see it for for myself. So let's pick up the story a little bit later. John chapter 20, now at verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, this, this leads us, I think, to three things that I, I just want to dwell on in this passage. Three things. There's, there's more than that, but let's just focus on these three things. And the first one I'd like to focus on is this. Believe the eyewitnesses. Believe the eyewitnesses. What do I mean? Look at this story. The first time Jesus appears, Thomas was not there. The second time Jesus appears, it was a week later. So what happened between the first time Jesus appears and the second time Jesus appears, what happens is the disciples go and find Thomas and go, guess what, Thomas? Guess what? We found Jesus. Jesus is alive. We were with him. He actually is alive. And they tried to convince him that Jesus had risen. But as we know, Thomas is just not going to buy it. Now, Thomas is there the second time. We read that in the account. The second time um, Thomas is with the disciples and Jesus appears. Note what Jesus says to Thomas in verse 29. Jesus told Thomas, Because you have seen me and you have believed, blessed are those uh, who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Jesus is saying to Thomas, he's saying, you should have believed the eyewitnesses. Think about it. Everybody else, everybody else from then right through today have not physically seen the risen Jesus. Have we? Or have I, have I missed something? We haven't seen the physical risen Jesus, have we? All we've had to rely on is the fact that there were eyewitnesses who recorded and say, yes, it actually happened. And we have believed those eyewitnesses, haven't we? And that is the vast majority of people. We need to believe the eyewitnesses. Now, who are these eyewitnesses? Well, there's a few of them. Some of the key ones are Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. How, how about them as eyewitnesses? And they wrote a, a pretty you know, exhaustive account, all four of them. They listened, they saw, they, they touched and they interacted with Jesus. Now, some think just believing eyewitnesses, it's not enough. You know, it's a bit like a doubting Thomas. I mean, we need more than just believing the eyewitnesses. Thomas said, I'm not just not going to believe you guys. I need to see it for myself. Some people it's not, think it's not good enough. Think about every bit of historical information, events and sources that you've heard about. What percentage of that have you seen with your own eyes? Historical events. I, I, I was going to say things like World War II. There may be some people here who've... <laughs> um, World War I, the, the, the incorporation of our, of our Commonwealth. You know, These are all events that significantly affect how we live right now. Agreed? Decisions that were made generations and generations and generations ago we we live and experience because of that but we weren't we weren't privy to the 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 physical seeing the touching the listening or whatever to those events were we not no but we believe it we take it because we believe credible eyewitnesses do we not Hmm. we've got credible eyewitnesses right in front of us right now and yet so often we, we get like Thomas and go, it's not enough. And yet here it is here where Jesus says, and I think it's a profound statement that so often we just see as a little bit of a tag on the end of this wonderful little story. Jesus said to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. This part of it is for us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's 99.999999% of the population of the world, you and I. Believe the eyewitnesses. Second point is this. Don't give up on the doubters. Don't give up on the doubters. Look at this story. Thomas says, I won't believe unless I can touch and see touch and see and in this second meeting a week later jesus goes straight to thomas and he says to thomas touch and see now 
we know that everything that was done back then wasn't necessarily recorded but obviously for you know the author John he wanted to record the the key pieces of information all right in this we didn't hear that Thomas goes up to Jesus and says I need to touch and see as soon as Jesus sees Thomas he says touch and see Um, Thomas would be going hang on how did he know how did he know that I wanted to touch and see? Thomas realizes that Jesus has been there all along. All along. Thomas here thinks he's chasing Jesus. I actually think it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Jesus has been chasing Thomas. For us, things change when we realise God was there all along. We've all been in, 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 in parts of our life, dark times, times of poor health, times when we've just been disappointed, disappointed with people, disappointed with, with God, with failures, with doubts. And yet it is sometimes when we just think that we've been running away from God. He's been there all the way. He's chasing us. And for some people, we can turn up at church every week and still be running from God. We can be seeking to run away from him because we've just been hurt and disappointed. All we need to do is turn around and, and there he is. I think I've told this story once before. I had a friend who was a youth pastor. Before he became a youth pastor, he was a he was a. A, uh, a kid who grew up in church who rebelled and thought he had run away from God, ran away from Australia, ended up in Trafalgar Square in London where he thought he could get about as far away from God there. God met him in Trafalgar Square that day where he recommitted his life to Christ. Tens of thousands of kilometres away from his homeland. Now who's chasing who there and who's running away from who? Sometimes you think you're far from God and yet God is right there chasing you. And so look at Thomas. I, I find this fascinating. Jesus says, Thomas, touch and see. Now, we don't record that Thomas goes, okay, I will touch and see. Let me examine these wounds and I'm going to spend a moment just checking out that this is actually legitimate. Do we read that? Do we actually see him doing a forensic test? I'm going to make sure and I'm going to check every detail to make sure I am not being fooled. Is this a fake beard or something or what's going on here? No, we don't see that because something far more significant is happening here because the next thing we read is this in verse 28. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. It's got nothing to do with forensic testing, is it? It's one of the most profound statements we, we read about someone describing Jesus. My Lord and my God are the words said by a doubting man. Don't give up if you're a doubter because Jesus doesn't give up on you. And the third point is this. Give God your wounds give God your wounds 
Thomas is clear that he won't believe until he touches the wounds of Jesus. Jesus turns up and there's, there's no reference to Thomas touching the wounds. He just cries out, my Lord and my God. You know, Thomas came into that situation thinking it was all about the proof. And yet Jesus broke through with love. And at that stage there, you can see that the whole um, seeking evidence was just washed away with the, the, the presence and the love of Jesus there in that room. Look how much he loves me. Now, think about this. This wasn't the first time that Thomas saw Jesus' wounds. He would have been there probably at some distance from Jesus on that Friday. He would have seen the wounds. He would have seen the nails going into the hands and the feet. He would have seen the spear going into the side. And he would have thought that these wounds would have destroyed not only Jesus, but they would have destroyed Thomas. As I said, Thomas had all of these great hopes of a victorious kingdom. And yet it seems at this point in this room on this day, he realises that, that these wounds have just saved his life. Jesus is saying to all of us, look at my wounds. He's saying these, these wounds are not going to ruin you. These wounds have saved you. And if we give our wounds, if we give our wounds to Jesus, our disappointments, our our failures, if we can give them to Jesus, what you think has destroyed us, Jesus will not waste a wound. What are your wounds? We read in verse 30 and 31 of this chapter, that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You know what John, the author of this book, is saying? He said, this is not just historical data. This is not just not a good you know, bedtime read. This is not just something you go, wow, that was, that was nice. He's saying, I'm, I'm writing this, as John is saying, I'm writing this to give you a clear account of the life of Jesus Christ so that you may believe that who he claims to be is actually true and that by, by believing in him, your life will be transformed. John is saying, through this account, Jesus is calling to all of us, come, follow me. So as we, we sit and we gather here on this Easter Sunday, Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed, and we live under the blessing of that resurrection. There may be some of you here this morning 
We're going, well, that's a good story. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to put that away for, for next Easter? We come again next Easter and I'll read it again and I'll be blessed for another 24 hours. I, I don't know, but I would, I would say that the intent of this story is not just a good story to be read once a year. It's a story that's meant to transform our lives. And if Jesus, the Saviour, hasn't transformed your life, my question to you today is, what do you think you need to do about it? And some of you would sort of say, well, I, I need more proof. And I'd say, well, how much more proof do you need? Of all of the eyewitness accounts of the church of the last 2,000 years, through all its ups and downs and ins and outs, that Jesus Christ has continued to reveal himself through all sorts of people, through his word and by his spirit to today we have an opportunity to say what are you going to do about Jesus and that's my question to all of you today that as we read this that we may believe and believe not in that passive sense oh yeah I believe but in that active sense where now that I believe what am I going to do about this belief so can you join with me in, in prayer this morning? So I just encourage you, whatever it takes to avoid being distracted, so possibly closing your eyes. just want to say, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And as we look at this story, we see ourselves doubting Thomases, looking for excuses. Um, it's never enough. Well, we say, Heavenly Father, here are the eyewitnesses, here's the evidence. Here's the story. And I want to pray, Heavenly Father, for those here this morning who, like Thomas, are saying, I, I want to believe, but I'm struggling. I say, Heavenly Father, I pray that as, as you chase Thomas, We just pray that for all of us that we've taken a moment just to be able to turn around and see that you are and have been with us all the way along. You haven't abandoned us. You've been chasing us and you're just waiting for us to stop running and turn and look to you. And I pray that today we'll have that moment where we see the risen Lord Jesus and we can explain and exclaim, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Take my wounds. Take my failures. 
take my rebellion. I surrender that all. It's, it's all worthless. And without you, it, it'll basically destroy me. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your wounds have saved my life. Your death on the cross paid for my sinfulness. And it's a testimony to the risen Lord that he has conquered death, conquered sin, and through this we find forgiveness. So Heavenly Father, we surrender. We surrender to you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. I give you my doubts. I give you my fears. I live for you and you alone. Is that your prayer? If it is, maybe you need to go and tell somebody. I'm happy if you come up to me later on and say, John, that was my prayer and I'd be privileged to lead you in next steps. But we just want to say, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done through your Son. And we will continue to celebrate the risen Lord, that his wounds, his wounds have, have paid the price that allowed us forgiveness, reconciliation, and a relationship with you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.